0: Radio begins in three, two, one.
1: I don't know I mean I don't know if there is or not I don't know if there's a black and white answer I don't know 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 how Give us some men who know the truth and who declare the truth and who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp
2: and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards and who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation.
0: It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Just to let you know in advance we're having some technical difficulties here at Wretched Radio. Today we're going to talk about Uh, biblical
1: clarity uh, on anxiety.
2: Uh, There's one of those technical glitches is right. I don't know how this is even happening. That's the amazing transform podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford that we've been telling you about and thousands of people are now listening to every single week. What does the Bible have to say
1: about anxiety? How do we when stop do you know, this know that crazy perhaps thing. your concerns have gone too far? Now, each of us seem to have our own proclivities where we are drawn to just letting go, kind of burying our head in the sand, not caring enough. I laughingly at times in counseling or in the classroom, I'll refer to these types of individuals, those of us that just let go and hide from our problems. We have a tendency to be like a beach bum for Jesus. What do I mean by beach bum for Jesus? Just mean like kind of carefree, doesn't matter. Like I'm just hanging out today. Like I just want to have a good time today. That's that's our beach bum for Jesus.
2: It also falls underneath the moniker. Let go. Let God don't worry about a thing. He's got this. Dr. Greg Gifford, his amazing podcast. Every Saturday morning when it pops up, I am on this because it is so helpful. I want to share as much of this as possible with you because, hey, we've all got plenty of worries and struggles. This is a biblical delineation classifying different emotional responses that we have to pressures or challenges. This is so helpful. You really do need to go subscribe at your favorite listening device, Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford.
1: And at times, for those of us that struggle with anxiety, we envy a beach bum for Jesus type of person because we think, man, like it must be nice to not have a care in the world or it must be nice to feel no pressure from your job, from your family, from your landlord. That must be really nice. But yet the beach bum for Jesus isn't being faithful in certain ways. And and we could say that there is a sense in which they should probably care more than what they do. If you were to talk to me today and you were to come and say, hey, you know what, Dr. Gifford, tell me a little bit about your plan for paying off your house. And I just said to you, you know what, that's a great question. I don't really have a plan for paying off my house. I just kind of pay here whenever I have a little bit of money and then we'll go out to eat some months and just use that money for going out to eat. You would think to yourself like, "Uh, that doesn't seem like, The best plan. Uh, Like, I I think that plan might actually come back to bite you years from now. You see, because what you sense about that is that I'm not exhibiting the concern and the care that I should be exhibiting. But uh, let's re engineer that circumstance. And you come to me and you say, You know, Dr. Gifford, let's talk about paying off your house. What's that look like for you? And I say, Well, I, I actually worry about that every day. Every morning I wake up and I check the APR on the principal of my loan. And uh, I, you know, I, I scrap together every extra nickel I can to throw at my house. And I'm just so, so concerned, maybe even worried, will I be able to own my home completely in the future? In that moment too, you would think, well, like I, something doesn't seem right about that either. Like it, it seems like you care too much. You're overly concerned about the principle of your mortgage. That your plan to pay off your house is now moving you into what seems to be an, an undue concern, an over-concern. What you're sensing are the different tensions of care, concern, and anxiety. And so as we start the discussion for biblical clarity on anxiety, I want to start by creating really three categories. So in the Bible, semantically, you're going to see that there is the same word that is used in three different ways to describe anxiety. But on two of those occasions, it is seen as something that's positive or commendable. Now, Jesus will explicitly condemn anxiety. That's matter of fact. That's Matthew 6, and we'll get to that. Yet, Paul is going to speak of that same term, merimnao. na'o, that same term as being care and concern on other occasions. So we know that there is a bad anxiety and there's good care and good concern. So if you're sitting down somewhere as you're listening to this episode, I would encourage you to grab your Bible, and to write down these three overarching categories. And the first one is going to be care. Paul is going to describe, if you'd grab your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, he's going to describe that it's actually important to care. And this is what prevents us from becoming the beach bum, free spirit for Jesus type, where it's like, well, I don't really have a care in the world. How are you going to pay off your mortgage, Dr. Gifford? Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Maybe the bank will take my home back. I'm not sure. You see, there is something irresponsible about that because in the Bible, I am actually to care for certain things. If you go to 1 Corinthians 12, you'll recall that this is the section of Scripture where Paul is addressing a disorderly church. And in this disorderly church, he is reminding them of their place with each other. You see, it seems like the church was wanting to find those elite individuals and to exalt them and say, hey, this is the person that's our teacher. This is Apollos. This is Paul. We're with them. They're the rock star. We're the follower of the superhero. But Paul says that's not the way the body of Christ is designed. That yes, there are more prominent members like an eye, but the hand is equally as necessary in the body of Christ. Embedded in this, Paul is going to use the same word that Jesus uses for anxiety, and Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25. Let's look at that. Actually, I'm going to start halfway through verse 24 by way of context. Paul writing to the Corinthians says, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Okay, so this is the point that Paul's getting at, that there is a diversity of gifts in the body. That's the point of the body of Christ, that not every person has the same gift and is the same member. But God has done that in such a way that there would be no division, that the entire body, like your human body, the entire body would understand its dependency on each other. And that the members may have the same care for one another. That term care is what's translated as anxiety when Jesus uses it in Matthew chapter six.
2: Hmm. Isn't that fascinating? You're listening to Dr. Greg Gifford, his amazing uh, transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford. How providential is that? You can hear it every single week. He is embarking on a rather lengthy series on the subject that afflicts and affects all of us, anxiety, but not all, Worry, if you will, is necessarily bad, as we just heard. We can care about things. We can be aware of things. So there are some forms of, if you will, air quotes, anxiety, not a problem. But Paul
1: says, I want you to have care for each other. I want you to have concern. That's why your translators have most likely translated this something like care or concern for one another. They haven't translated this as, I want you to be anxious for each other. (laughs) Because when we hear anxiety, as we should, we immediately go to that's something that's wrong. That's something that I need to repent of. This is something that Jesus condemns. Yes, that's true. But here Paul says that I do want you to care for each other. So, biblically speaking, to have clarity on anxiety, the first thing that we have to do is see that care is something that's appropriate. Now, Paul's going to use another term, and that is going to be concern. So, go over to Philippians chapter 2. Remember, Philippians is a book written to a church that were really supportive of Paul's ministry. And in, in chapter one and chapter four, he speaks of them as being the only partners with him. So as Paul writes from his Roman imprisonment, he reminds them of how awesome they've been and how supportive they've been along the way. And he sends people to go back to visit this church. So he's in Rome, they're in Philippi, and he's gonna send some people to come check in on him. Timothy is gonna be one of those brothers that he's gonna send. And listen to what he says about Timothy. Philippians 2 verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Paul commends Timothy and is excited about Timothy coming back to visit the Philippians, but he says this about Timothy, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Epaphroditus is a Philippian. Epaphroditus is the one that would get sick trying to deliver the message to Paul, according to the last part of chapter two. But Paul says of Timothy that he's going to be genuinely concerned. That term "concerned" that's translated in the English as concern is the same word for anxiety that's used in Matthew six by Jesus. Mm. So our second category is that we would say there is a godly form of concern that you can have.
2: Now. You're anxious to get to the type of anxiety that is sinful. What does that look like? Well, I'm afraid you're just going to have to go to Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford and listen to the podcast yourself. It's biblically sound and it is so applicable. It is so helpful and it so shows how the Bible can deal with your issues because don't we find ourselves going, okay, well, I'm not supposed to be a beach bum. I'm not supposed to be hyper worried about everything. Uh, How do I delineate it? Three categories. There's different types of worry. Like every emotion can be sinful, can be not sinful. It would be really irresponsible of me right now to let you know that I wrote a book on the subject based on John 14 to 16 called Stressed Out, which describes the type of anxiety that's sinful as faithless worrying. That's from John 14, 1. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He connects the two. If you're not believing in God, you're going to have a sinfully troubled heart. That doesn't mean that you aren't troubled about events, circumstances. Jesus' heart was troubled in the right way when he was being betrayed or thought about the crucifixion. That's non-sinful. It is when we are worrying faithlessly that it is sinful the new podcast transform with dr greg gifford get it this is wretched radio ah some good news two encouragements from the tomorrow clubs they have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in eastern europe but now they've expanded to africa Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Question, are you tired of the
3: same old boring TV shows? Well, there is something that's not like anything else on Christian TV. It's transformed and it's back for season number two. You get to be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions, tackling issues like depression, anxiety, OCD, and others. These are real people with real issues being offered real solutions by our hosts, Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson. So if you're looking for something different, you know, a show that glorifies God and demonstrates the sufficiency of his word, then Transform is for you. It's a -a one-of-a-kind production that provides the hope and relief that only the Bible can give. The world is full of hurting people, even Christians, and many are completely unaware of biblical counseling and the answers it can provide. So join us for Transform Season 2, the show that will transform your walk with Christ and leave a profound and lasting impact on your life. Get your hands on it now and also consider grabbing the Sunday School curriculum for your church. You can find it at transform.org or the Wretched Store at wretched.org.
2: We can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please... Do your research. Visit slash wretched, slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 84434 Bible, 84434 Bible, 84434 Bible. Books of the Bible.
0: Philippians was written by Paul from a Roman prison. It is often called the epistle of joy for its encouraging tone. In this letter, Paul encourages the Philippians to live in a manner worthy of the gospel by steadfastness and humility in Christ and cheerful obedience to God, who is working in us to bring about his good pleasure. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Got her all fixed up. Nothing to worry about here at Wretched Radio. Did you see this? This is important to maintain.
1: Jesus clearly rebukes anxiety as sin.
2: Fine. We'll just let the glitch take over the program because it's so good. Dr. Greg Gifford's Transform Podcast giving us three classifications of anxiety. There's care and concern. You should be having care and concern about certain things, but as soon as you are consumed by your cares and concern, then you enter into the realm of the third category of the semantic range of the biblical word to let your heart be troubled, to be anxious. As being sinful, Jesus addressed it in the Sermon on the Mount. Why do you worry about these things? Why are you anxious about these things? Oh, you of little faith. I guess if we keep glitching, Dr. Gifford can pick it up from here in three,
1: two, one. He clearly rebukes it as wrong. And in the middle of this passage, he equates it to a faith issue. That's the end of verse 30. Buzzing around in biblical counseling realms are mental health disorders or mental illnesses. There are those that are called generalized anxiety disorder or social anxiety where individuals chronically suffer with anxiety, that would be GAD, or individuals that struggle with social context can be diagnosed with social anxiety. What you have to maintain about a temptation toward anxiety is that anxiety is a mild form of atheism anxiety is a mild form of atheism. I'll forever be indebted to my undergraduate professor, Dr. Kevin Carson, who taught me that phrase. He said, Greg, when you do not trust the Lord, you are a functional atheist. Anxiety is a functional form of atheism. That was such a meaningful statement to me because there are times in my life when I'm tempted towards worry and anxiety, and I have to be reminded that this is a faith issue. This isn't a, just a disorder. This isn't a physiological issue of my body. Anxiety is connected to my trust and faith in the Lord. And Jesus clearly identifies anxiety as being wrong and sinful. Other passages are going to teach this in similar ways. 1 Peter 5 Peter's going to say that you're to cast your cares on to the Lord because He cares for you in Philippians four Paul is going to say that you're to be anxious for nothing, so it's clear in Scripture that care and concern are legitimate, warranted, and necessary. we want to care for other members in the body of Christ. we want to care, we want to plan, we want to be wise, we want to leave legacies in retirement, et cetera Yes, all of those are warranted and good, and yet, if we're not careful. Our concerns can be too great, and now they're undue, and we're talking about anxiety. Anxiety is the extreme form of care and concern when your cares have gone too far. And Jesus says, do not be anxious. Verse 34, don't be anxious about the future. Tomorrow has enough trouble for itself. Be faithful today. So we clearly have to say that in God's wisdom, through the inspiration of scripture and the teaching of Jesus, we know that anxiety is wrong. So here is the million dollar question. How do I know that my concern is right and warranted? It's a bleeding into anxiety that is sinful. Growing up in Savannah, Georgia, we lived just across the street from a cul-de-sac. The street that we lived on was a thoroughfare, There were cars that would come blazing through that neighborhood 40 miles an hour, 45 miles an hour. And think as a young child, that's actually quite fast and quite scary. And so my parents were always very hesitant as a child for me to go out front and to play. And they would often say, hey, look, you guys need to go across the street and you need to play on the cul-de-sac. I'd like you to think of anxiety as a cul-de-sac. Anxiety is where what takes place is all my cares, all my concerns, they terminate on me. How am I going to fix it? What am I going to do about it? Okay, I need to save more. I need to work harder. I need to get up earlier. I need to sleep less. (laughs) I can do this. And what takes place is over time, I realize I can't do this. And I'm worn down. I'm burdened. I'm losing sleep. I'm losing weight. I can lose hair even by being too anxious. The reality is that anxiety is a cul-de-sac because what takes place is all the cares and concerns, they stop with me. And I have to be the fixer of all of them. I find that those of us that struggle with anxiety often struggle with the desire to be in control. We got to fix it. We got to do it. The desire to be in control is the cul-de-sac. It's where I say, I got to do this. There's no functional thought of the Lord. And of course, formally, we would say, I know God's in control. Formally, I know that prayer is important and the scripture is true, but functionally, I'm in control. When I'm trying to discern the difference between a concern and anxiety, I have to be able to evaluate, are all of these cares and concerns terminating with me? And that's why I'm worried. That's why I'm hesitant. That's why I'm over-saving. That's why I'm losing sleep. That's why now I'm being rude and unkind in my words. It's because all these cares and concerns are mounting on me. But if this care and concern is a thoroughfare, it's a thoroughfare of cares and concerns to me, to the Lord. I know that most likely I'm not engaging in sinful anxiety, but rather what I'm doing is these cares and concerns are cares and concerns. They're legitimate. I do care about my mortgage, and yet I take those cares and concerns to the Lord. Let's go to one last passage. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. This is-
2: As he's doing that, let me remind you, Dr. Greg Gifford's Transform podcast, it is available at your podcasting thingamajig subscribe. Every week you get gems like this. Such a powerful analogy.
1: It's like speaking of a stone. Peter says in First Peter 5, verse number six, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Imagine that you're rolling a stone, a stone big enough that it takes an effort. And the call here is to roll those cares and concerns onto the Lord because he cares for you. I know that this is not unbiblical and ungodly anxiety whenever I'm taking my cares and concerns to the Lord. I'm entrusting him to be the fixer. I know that he has to be my helper. I know that ultimately I can't do this and he is the good, wise, all-powerful God who can do this when that's taking place, I am legitimately engaging in cares and concerns. But when I'm terminating all of my cares and concerns on myself, when this is a cul-de-sac and I'm stuck and I got to fix it and I got to figure it out and I got to work harder, look, we're talking about anxiety and that is and that is wrong. As you're evaluating the difference in your own life, there are two errors that you could make. One would be to legitimize your anxiety where you say, you know what, I do have to do everything. If I don't do it, no one else is going to do it for me. I do have to work extra, sleep less. I have to grind in this season of life. And there's a sense in which you may need to work hard, but you do recognize that everything that you have is a gift from the Lord. What do you have that you did not receive 1 Corinthians 4? And if you received it, then why do you boast? None of us can say that it's up to me. None of us can say that. To be most theologically accurate, we have to say God uses my effort, but ultimately he's the one in control. He's the one in charge. So I work hard knowing that it's up to God to bless those efforts. So one error is to legitimize my anxiety and say it is up to me.
2: Another error is to... Sorry, you'll just have to get the pot. That was really jerky. That was just plain jerky right there.
1: Go the opposite and just not care. Some of us, when the pressure turns up, our tendency is to hide, to escape, to distract ourselves. We go into entertainment. We go into vacation mode. We go into hobby mode and we just don't want to think about it. That is illegitimate because we are called to express godly care and concern. So we must maintain this tension. The cares and concerns of our life that are right and good, we bring to the Lord. And that prevents them from being unbiblical, ungodly anxiety.
2: And now I want to turn. Hold on. Hold on, Greg. If I might take his cul-de-sac, travel through whatever the, the pass through. Thoroughfare. Thoroughfare. Just think of your issue as luggage on top of the car, when we used to have luggage racks, maybe still do the luggage that's up there how 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 much of that are you bearing? How much of that are you thinking that you need to get to the right destination? Now, we're not irresponsible, but you and I can't get anything to the destination unless the Lord wills it, and so you do see human effort and activity. Whilst relying on the Lord, whilst trusting him, while recognizing he has this, and I'm not called to deliver the suitcases to the destination. I'm called to be faithful because I can't get, don't say today or tomorrow, you're gonna go and do this business. Now that doesn't mean you don't plan. It doesn't mean you don't prepare. You can even pack, but that that doesn't guarantee that it's going to get done. And so we find ourselves, with human agency, going about our business, being faithful whilst trusting the Lord. And when we are doing that, we are on the right side of the semantic range of anxiety. When it is faithless worrying, God doesn't have this. I do. That's sinful. That is letting your heart be troubled in a faithless way. That's why Jesus even showed this. He didn't just talk about it in Matthew 6. Why are you sinking, Peter? Because you have little faith. Why are you worried about bread disciples? Because you have a little faith when we're anxious about what's gonna happen it's because we have little faith so use your human agency be faithful all the while trusting in the lord and you will stay on the right side of the line of anxiety this is wretched radio
3: And it's now time for a Wretched News Break on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hanks. First up, a story about a mom suing over military and police involvement in an LGBT poster dispute. The mother filed a lawsuit against the Department of Defense and local police after her daughter was reprimanded for posting Bible verses in response to an LGBT poster. The scriptures were removed, but the original poster remained. Yeah, you can just smell the stench of selective tolerance there, can't you? And we moved to Illinois, where high school students are facing disciplinary actions for protesting a transgender bathroom policy. The kids didn't like the new policy. They organized a peaceful protest, but the school says, uh-uh, that's not our cup of coffee. And now the students face the wrath of a disciplinary board. <laughs> Freedom of speech. It only counts when it aligns with certain values. Didn't you know that? And it's being reported that a mother has chosen life for her conjoined twin girls, despite the odds that are being stacked against them. Nicole LeBlanc is her name, and in a recent interview, she spoke about the external pressures she's been facing to kill her twin daughters through abortion, but that her faith has kept her strong through the entire ordeal, saying that God's will be done. Amen to that. And in media news, oh, the media. A producer in Canada who recently left Canada's national broadcaster says that independent media represents the future of journalism. Now, you need to tell me that there are independent voices out there that could actually provide fresh perspective in a world of biased reporting? It's certainly something this country desperately needs. With stories like abortionists who are now admitting that they kill babies you haven't heard that one in the mainstream media no because the leftist media is here to cover up the uncomfortable truths kind of like they did with hunter biden's laptop you know it's the new kind of hide and seek If only the media were as good as reporting news as they are at concealing it or exploiting it, like some outlets are doing with that awful Nashville school shooting. It appears that some media outlets are already blaming that school shooting on a Tennessee law that bans sex change surgeries for minors. Not only is that shameful and disgusting, but it takes some pretty masterful mental gymnastics to connect those dots. And finally, in the world of technology, AI is now being used to create photos of historical events that didn't happen. Kind of like the recreated scenes in Forrest Gump. You remember those? This is actually in real life, and it's happening right in front of our eyes. we've reached a whole new level of fake news. (laughs) I bet somewhere in this country, Brian Williams is kicking himself, wishing this technology was around back in 2015. You know, he could have created proof of that helicopter story instead of being booted from NBC Nightly News. (laughs) And that's been a Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio, it's straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the firstborn. Jesus was the firstborn from death, resurrected that we may have life. And He is the firstborn over all creation, the preeminent Son, through whom we are adopted as sons and daughters of God the Father. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Pink Floyd's wish come
0: true
2: never liked this song but it works as a bumper this is wretched radio i don't think i could endure it to get to the chorus what have we here about it So creepy. This is Wretched Radio. Let me take you to school courtesy of a professor now retired writing an article in the American Renaissance titled From Dumb to Dangerous. The kids ain't getting smarter. Don't know if you've heard about this, but they're changing standards in New York. Why? Because the kids, well, they can't pass. And so what do we do? Rather than pulling them up, we say, we'll just lower the standards. Last year, some schools posted shocking results in Schenectady. It's one of my favorite towns. Never been there. I sure do like to say it, though. In Schenectady, no eighth grader who took the math. This is shocking. No eighth grader who took the math test scored as proficient. Zero, not one. And the scores from the 3rd through 8th grade tests throughout the state were lower in 2022 than in 2019. They're blaming it on COVID, etc. I would say the education system. It has been taken over by progressives with new math, with a lack of history, no discipline. Kids are distracted on their cell phones. And because of that, they're getting dumb. And this is going to be dangerous. Let me take you to Jeff Costello. He was a professor who just retired from many years of university teaching, a good portion of which was spent trying to understand the problems of my students, who changed dramatically over the course of my 30-year career. Toward the end, I was teaching Gen Z, that's the generation after the millennials, who, if anything, are worse well, of, of course, you're going to see a further eroding of education and values. That's been the agenda and goal now. And we're going to see that even the, the next generation after is going to be even more lacking in educational needs like reading, writing, arithmetic, but also with ethics and values. One, one of the things that school would help with Historically, is that they would help parents. They would help a community by reinforcing the values that made the place work. These days, increasingly, the schools are taking over with the attitude that we've got to indoctrinate them with progressivism, with liberal values, because we know more than the parents do. And we're seeing demonstration after demonstration of that. And what this looks like for a society after another generation or two. This is a lengthy quote, but I think it is worth taking the journey to a university, a perspective of a university professor who saw the degradation of education when it came to our kids. My students combined ignorance with strident moral certainty. They seem to have had no general education at all and lacked the most basic knowledge of history, even recent history. They are immature. And emotionally fragile. He cites AOC. She's full of passion, and you ask her a question about it, and she crumbles because she has no idea what she's talking about, but she's absolutely certain she's right. She seems to be reflecting an entire generation. This is the observation of a professor. And by the way, if you're a younger person and you hear these screeds, um, they're not. We're trying to understand your generation whilst recognizing. Maybe you do not personify these new ideals and attitudes that many in your generation do. So we're, we're not trying to like, slam you. These are observations in general. Back to the university, many could not handle criticism, no matter how sugar-coated. It took very little to reduce them to tears or to send them into fits of rage. They were shockingly bereft of intellectual curiosity and many gave the impression of having no internal life at all. Yikes. That is a rather sad assessment. It was difficult to get a class discussion going because my students were often unwilling to make judgments of any kind. If you teach Sunday school youth group, um, maybe that's why you can't get the kids lit up because maybe increasingly there's no timber there to burn. I... I will throw in a plug for Road Trip to Truth, though. It tackles the subjects where they're living, and I've watched the engagement of students. They do respond to the contents because it's the stuff that they are being fed. They're getting the contraview, courtesy of the Bible, when it comes to issues of truth, morality, values, logic, reason, history. They're 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 hearing the things that they're being indoctrinated with on social media and at university or high public schools. And it lights them up. But apparently it's pretty difficult to do that at a public university, at least according to this professor. Partly this was because they had an intense fear of offending everyone, anyone. I've seen that. And that isn't a bad inclination. I think that should be a Christian inclination primarily we shouldn't desire to offend people we recognize speaking truth will offend people but it shouldn't be our aim to act like a cable news host and just annoy. And by the way i gotta tell you it was sunday afternoon turned on the tv machine and somebody in my family had been watching the fox news channel And this was Sunday afternoon. It should be like the Commodores. It should just be easy. But no, it clicked on and it was the start of a a, a new show, whatever the show was. It was the top of the hour. And and the woman, everything she was talking about was so edgy. And in Pennsylvania, these people did this. And in Columbus, these people did that. I, and I was so assaulted because I just haven't been consuming it. I've been watching All Creatures Great and Small, which is on the other end of the extreme. Wow, is that ever benign? I felt like I was just getting hit, like like I'm a speed bag. whoa 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 whoa, what's happening to the universe? Because they just pound you. Back to the university. (laughs) In addition, they profess to believe that everything is relative and it's therefore wrong to judge. They also saw no inconsistency in espousing relativism and then in the next moment denouncing their political opponents as evil. Yeah, It's inconsistent. We know that. That observation has been made a gazillion times. But it's it's saturating a generation, not everybody. They were all, By the way, if you're a, if you're a Christian younger person and you want to distinguish yourself from your peers because you, 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 you want to be recognized as being exceptional. Then be godly. Understand that there is a thing called reality and truth and hold on to it and cling to it and represent it show people stand up for it live your life according to it and believe me you are going to look different than most of your peers to the university they were often shockingly amoral many lied to me and i caught large numbers of them cheating on assignments they were always looking for shortcuts almost none did the assigned reading that ain't good for a generation and wait until ai kicks in completely You ain't going to get an original paper ever again if you work at the university system. It was common for them to visit me during my office hours and ask me to tell them exactly what I wanted them to say on tests. When I said I wanted to see evidence that they had done their own thinking, they would look panic stricken. Most of my students seem desperately unhappy and unfulfilled. Well, they are because you you can't know fulfillment until you understand who you are and to whom you belong. I became convinced, and still am, that something had gone seriously wrong. Yes, it's true the older generation has always complained about the younger. But the millennials and Gen Z seem to have problems that are unique and uniquely bad. Bad for them and bad for society's future. If these are the people who will be in charge one day, it really is hard not to believe we're doomed. Well, it's... I don't know that it's going to be Armageddon, but it definitely is going to degrade the quality of life that we really do enjoy here in the West. Millennials have spent much of their lives staring at screens. Okay, here, here we go. Interacting with virtual friends who can always be kept at a distance. They've imbibed toxic quantities of propaganda and advertising. Constant deluge. All of it presenting a sometimes radically false view of life and human nature. New York Times article. Sorry, Mom and Dad. According to which parents working for the tech industry increasingly panic over the impact screens have on their own children and are moving towards screen-free lifestyles. These are the people who invented it. The reporter goes on to note that executives in Silicon Valley, don't bank there, are now sending their children to vigilantly low-tech schools. In other words, they're worried about their own products, damaging the developing brains of their children. And we should be what Bill Mark quote, the tycoons of social media have to stop pretending that they are friendly nerd gods building a better world and admit they're just tobacco farmers in T-shirts selling an addictive product to children. This is Wretched Radio. So you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is
1: so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ advances as the word of God advances.
2: Would you please consider joining the Masters Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor. Wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. Hey,
3: thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today, but we also have a small request. Would you consider, prayerfully, of course, what it might look like if you partnered with us by becoming a gospel partner? See, we produce quite a bit of quality biblically sound content, but we can't do it alone. We need the support of incredible people just like you. And don't misunderstand this small request. We are grateful for your support as a listener, but we would love to take our relationship to the next level and invite you to prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. Your generous support keeps the lights on around here but it also helps us to spread the gospel to millions of people all over the world the ecfa digs into our books every single year so that you'll know there's no funny business ever going on with your donations we're not flying in private jets we're not taking limos to and from the office or lounging around in hot tubs while we brainstorm so what do you say will you partner with us to spread the gospel all you have to do is visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321 wretched amazing grace amazing gospel
2: Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds, 54,000 babies were saved, 69 ultrasound machines were placed, 10,000 people responded to the gospel. with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. Names of God.
0: We learn a lot about God from the names given to him in scripture. One name is Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. When we were dead in sin and unrighteousness, God provided the righteousness He requires in Jesus Christ, our substitute. If God has provided for our salvation, how much more is He able to meet our daily needs? This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Hey, hey, Jimmy. Yes. Please remind me to breathe. Breathe. But not. Now, not now when I get worked up, (laughs) this is we really need to rehearse this better. (laughs) This is going to perhaps get you as agitated as it did me. Please note, there are many fine Christians who work in the public education system. I am truly glad that you are there. But the entire system, it needs a revamp, though, just the. The presuppositions behind the role of educator needs to be entirely scrapped. Now, we don't necessarily have to go back to the original intention of what it meant to be a teacher. It was an industry of service. It was sort of like medical professionals. Money wasn't the end game. Power and control and indoctrination, that was not primarily in view. It was to simply help people. These days, educators, ooh, remind me to breathe. This is from Slate.com. The education trend that is exacerbating the mental health emergency for youth. Now, this is written by somebody who believes the reason that we are seeing so many kids who have emotional struggles these days is because... Between February 2020 and May 2022, more than 300,000 educators resigned in the U.S. Whoa. Citing concerns over safety, burnout, and low pay, among other reasons, which they don't cite, like they can't stand having to indoctrinate the children with progressivism. But you already get the gist of this article and Concern. The reason that so many kids are having mental health issues is because we don't have enough teachers. Ho, 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 ho. That ain't your job, teacher. You are to be teaching not concerning yourself with the mental state of our children. Now, could you let parents know that they are observing changes in our children so that parents can deal with it? Yes. Might you do or say or teach some things that would help children to think better and understand the world rightly? Perhaps, but the job of the teacher should be to teach the fundamentals, reading, writing, arithmetic, no, those, those are the needs that our children have, and the role of the teacher is to fill them, not to be dealing with their mental health. That is the parents' concern. Back to the article, as a result, gaps in critical youth support have widened. It is so assumed that it's the school that is the more than a safety net, it is the net. It, it, it's the place that keeps kids from falling. Now I want their support, but I don't want teachers taking it upon themselves to be dealing with my child's mental health. Maybe one of the reasons kids are so struggling with mental health is because of what is being taught in so many public schools. Gaps in critical youth support have widened, negatively affecting the mental health of adolescents and young adults. <sighs> The timing couldn't be worse as America's children and adolescents are experiencing a significant increase in mental health challenges. I'm grateful that you observe their struggles. I do not appreciate that you believe that it is your responsibility to fix them. It's not. It's your ability. Your your description in your profession is to teach them and to not contribute to their anxiety. Not to fix it. Researchers consistently find that schools are critical for promoting student well-being. Okay, in one sense, sure, the kids get together, they play, they learn how to do team sports, they learn how to get along, they learn some boundaries. Those are things that naturally take place. This is going much further. They do this in part by creating safe, connected spaces for students and staff, nurturing cultures of care are particularly important for youth who face significant challenges, such as a lack of adequate sleep, food, or safety. So they're blaming you, mom and dad. The reason these kids are so stressed out is because they are lacking at home. We're going to make up for your deficiency. They've got it entirely backwards. The Surgeon General recommends we create, quote, positive, safe, and affirming. Uh, affirming educational environments, expanding programming that promotes healthy development, such as social and emotional learning, and providing a continuum of supports to meet the social, emotional, behavioral, and mental health needs of children and youth. I got to tell you, if I were going to go to a public school meeting, the school board meeting, I think my message would be, who do you people think you are? Who who told you this is your job? When did you usurp the authority and the responsibility of parents? Now, again, I know there are good teachers out there. I know that. And they're trying like a nobody's business. Honestly, I applaud you for hanging on for dear life. But you're swimming upstream. These people, the chutzpah, they're going to make sure that our kids are socially, emotionally, and behaviorally performing to their what they believe is the correct standard. Whoa. Back off. As long as we're at school, a Bible college in England fires a theologian for basically quoting the Bible because it caused distress to the Bible college. It's Methodist in the UK. Fired a Christian theologian and threatened to report him as a Terrorist. Because of his tweets in opposition to homosexuality. Pray for this guy. Taught theology at Cliff College in Derbyshire, England. Was dismissed from the school after being accused of bringing the college into disrepute. It could affect enrollment if they think that we actually adhere to what the Bible teaches at this Methodist college. Homosexuality is invading the church, he tweeted. Evangelicals no longer see the severity of this because they're busy apologizing for their apparently barbaric homophobia. He's a terrorist? Yes. Yes, he is. The tweet went viral, and he responded, that is the conservative view. The acceptance of homosexuality is not sinful is an invasion upon the church doctrinally. This is not controversial. The acceptance is controversial. Most of the global church would agree it is not homophobic to declare homosexuality sinful. That made him a terrorist. How's about the University of Notre Dame. That would be a Catholic institution, so they say. They're going to be hosting a Queer Holiness event. I'm sorry. Jimmy, did yes. I read that right? Yeah, you did. Hmm. To host a Queer Holiness event, an event titled Queer Holiness, an Experiential Christian Anthropology is being held at Notre Dame. Loyola professor claims organized pantries are rooted in racist and sexist social structures. <laughs> oh, you can't write this stuff. The recent TikTok trend showing perfectly organized and uh, styled home pantries is rooted in a history of classist, racist, and sexist social structures. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's all we want from you. I think this was reported on uh, where the website is. The print is really small. Tracing the pantry to the late 1800s, this professor says the butler's pantry acted as an architectural touchstone of the wealthy. Quote, this small space tucked between the kitchen and dining room was a marker of status, an area to hide both the food and the people who prepared it. Um... Actually, I think it was used just to help the preparation of it and keep the kitchen from being cluttered where you might be needing it to be not like a bomb went off. In the meantime, Colorado College science professor believes that astrophysics are steeped in systemic racism and white supremacy. (laughs) (laughs) Breathe, Todd. Uh, Maybe a little late. uh, Utah they're just they passed a book ban that hey if you've got something that is sexual in nature you got to get rid of them why because the libraries are full of them here are the top banned books by the way in the country gender queer lawn boy all boys aren't blue the hate you give this book is gay and beyond magenta and so some cheeky parent in utah is saying well hey if we're going to start banning books because quote they contain certain sensitive instructional materials like explicit sexual arousal, stimulation, intercourse, etc. They're going to be banned. So what do these parents want banned? The Bible. That's right, because it's filled with all of these things and it has no moral values whatsoever. Is that accusation accurate because it talks about those subjects? The answer is no. Does the Bible address those subjects? Yes, yes because they are observable and they are part of the human experience, but it never does it in a way that promotes it, that is to cause somebody to be excited about it or tempted to do it. All of these other lawn boy, magenta, boys aren't blue and whatever they are, it's a promotion of sin. The Bible is simply a descriptor of sin. Uh, That's, if you don't mind me pointing out the obvious, a little bit of a difference until tomorrow (laughs) go serve your king